Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to another episode of Processing Blue. I'm Observer Sports Columnist Scott Fowler filling in for Langston Wirtz Jr., who's feeling a little bit under the weather today. Joining me for this uh, Charlotte Observer podcast is the Charlotte Observer's preeminent Panther reporter, Mike Kay. How are you, Mike? I'm well, Scott. How are you? Well, I'm doing well, considering this has been quite a week for both of us, and uh, we'll get right into it. Uh, a lot of things have changed since you came back from Tennessee. You were in Nashville watching that uh travesty of a game and then the next day uh something big happened so let's just tell me let's just start real simply why did the panthers and owner david tepper fire frank reich on monday in your opinion his tenure was an abject disaster i mean that that's really what it was so you go one in ten uh to start off you hired the first offensive-minded head coach in, in team history and his teams can't score the offense can't score more than 15 points for an entire five-week stretch. That's pretty rough. Your rookie quarterback, hasn't, who was the first overall pick that you traded up for, has not uh, passed for more than 250 yards all season. He's got about as he's got more turnovers than he has touchdowns. There's uh, a ranking of him at the bottom of QBR and passer rating. He's just like every. The, I wrote this earlier this week. Panthers entrusted their franchise and their future in Frank Reich and the immediate future after that move was made was just as a disaster. But I mean, you know, we've gotten to know Frank over the last several weeks. You in particular have been able to kind of get his feel for what happened here, uh, for at least from his end. What did you take away from your exclusive interview that you did with him on Monday? Yeah, um, I think he was still processing it, honestly, Mike. I spoke to him about three or four hours only after he had gotten fired. Um, we spoke by phone a couple of times uh, as we sort of, you know, just talked it out a little bit as to what he was comfortable saying. And uh, the big takeaway there was not surprising in that Frank Reich took the high road in our interview. Uh, he said he had, quote, no hard feelings, which is hard to believe, but that's what he said uh, from owner David Tepper. Again, he only lasted 11 games in what was supposed to be a four-year deal. So that was a very short time for someone who thought they were coming back to the Carolinas, you know, to write a storybook ending. Uh, instead, the ending got written very prematurely and he only lasted two-thirds of one season. Now, the consolation prize, Mike, is that he will be paid for all four years, and so there is multi-million dollars in his future. But he did tell me he thought that this chapter of his life, this NFL journey, is probably over. He turns 62 next week, and honestly, when he told me that on the phone, I was a little bit sad to hear it. 
uh, the NFL will be a poorer league without the Frank Reichs of the world in it because whatever you think of his, uh, and you're right, I mean, the season's been disastrous. One in 10 is, is they're the worst in the NFL, but what a good guy and what a gracious guy and a faith, faith-filled man. And uh, in that respect, I was sorry to see him go. How do you think what's happening right now, we'll get to David Tepper's press conference in a minute, but how do you think what's happening right now, though, with Frank Reich is going to impact Bryce Young? Well, I think from from the perspective of, hey, there's a new voice in his ear, right? So we should mention that along with Frank Reich, assistant head coach, slash running backs coach, Deuce Staley, and quarterbacks coach, Josh McCown, were also fired on Monday. The onus was put on interim head coach Chris Tabor and special advisor Jim Codwell. They wanted to kind of have a fresh perspective there. Parks Frazier, actually a longtime Frank Reich disciple, uh, goes from passing game coordinator to coaching quarterbacks as well. He is very, very high on Bryce. I spoke to him uh, in August when I did my big takeout for a one on Bryce and his leadership. And he talked about how unbelievable his attention to detail is and his maturity is. And I think when you have somebody who's fully bought in, not that Josh McCann was it, I think that kind of helps with the transition, right? So this is really the first football adversity that Bryce Young is really dealing with in his football life. He was the top guy in high school, top guy in college, won a Heisman trophy. Sure, losing on a national championship game is a bummer, but it's not starting off one in 10 in front of a national audience, okay? Paying customers who have no college ties to your success—it's—it's um, it's a demanding business. And he, to put it plainly, he's been underwhelming. I mean, you wrote a couple of weeks ago that you didn't know if he was ready to really start in the NFL. Maybe they should have gone with Andy Dalton. And I think this is them doubling down on the gamble they've made with Bryce Young. Anytime you draft a player, or you trade for a player, or trade up for a player in in the draft and positioning, it's a gamble. And so far. Read this in a column. Scott, outside of Adam Thielen, how many gambles have worked out from the offseason? Like to a degree where it's undeniable. Don't worry, I'll wait. I'll, I'll wait. Anybody? Well, I'd say zero, uh, for sure. And and you're right about all that with Bryce Young. And also, he probably feels because Bryce Young feels things pretty deeply, you know, inside that locker room, he probably feels somewhat responsible for Frank Reich uh, getting fired. Although you could say, well, it's not Bryce's fault. You know, he didn't put all those skill players around him. It's Frank Reich's fault and Scott Fitter's fault, maybe David Tepper's fault. But in any case, some of it is Bryce Young's fault, and he does bear some responsibility here. Um, And I don't think, Mike, honestly, they'll be very good. I don't care. Who's coaching? I mean, I feel a little sorry, honestly, for Chris Tabor. This is a difficult role to be put into. Uh, someone was going to have to become the interim coach after Frank Reich. But uh, this ship has sailed this year in terms of winning many games. I mean, what do you think the best they could do in these final six games would be? Like one in five, two and four? What do you well, think? They, they'll end up? they play four more division games. They play the Buccaneers twice, and then they play Atlanta and, uh, excuse me, New Orleans. They'll start with a, uh, a road trip to Tampa and a road trip to New Orleans. They're in the middle of a three-game road trip. They should have beat the Titans. They should have beat the Bears. They should have probably beat the Colts. Um, I don't think this team is as bad as the Cardinals or the Patriots, but you are what your record is. And maybe 
we see a little bit of Steve Wilkes, you know, energy in his game. Against it happens sometimes. Yeah, you've seen this many times in the in the sports world where a coach leaves for whatever reason or a player is injured and the next man up does well. So I wouldn't like be totally stunned. In fact, I don't think they will, but I wouldn't be totally stunned if they beat Tampa. Um, none of the teams in the NFC South are great, right? Would you be no, stunned? They're all under 500. Yeah. Would you be stunned if they beat Tampa? No, not at all. Um, Baker Mayfield's dealing with an injury. They're not particularly explosive. The defense isn't what it used to be. Uh, their big trouble is going to be figuring out a way to shut down Mike Evans, but J.C. Gordon's in the last week of his 21-day window, so he's activated. You know, we're recording this on Tuesday. He's activated this week. That could be a big help against Mike Evans. Uh, J.C. Gordon needs to get on the field if they're going to try to win games. And according to David Tepper, you know, not to segue too early, but they're trying to do everything they can to improve the product. J.C. Gordon is probably part of that plan. But speaking of Tepper, um, well, that was something on Tuesday. Um, you know, if you watch the press conference as a listener, you got to hear my voice. There was a certain person you didn't get to hear, and I know Scott doesn't want to make himself a story, but what was your take on not being able to ask a question in probably the most important press conference of the last 12 months? Because 13 months ago, we were doing the same thing. Yeah, I wasn't very happy about it. Uh, and I've written a column that by the time this runs, uh, uh, the time our podcast is published, the column will be available so you can find it there. But entitled something like, here is the question I wanted to ask David Tepper. Um, I was I have been, you know, not to toot my own horn here, but I have covered this team 29 years. I'm the local sports columnist for the major local newspaper. I've asked a question at every significant Panthers press conference there's ever been. Had my hand raised and was in the front row and got ignored. So I was not thrilled about that whole deal. Um, I think it was purposeful. Not sure exactly why, although I have written some very critical things about David Tepper recently. And so perhaps that had something to do with it. But in any case, we did get some answers. Let's talk about what we did find out. Uh, Mike, you wrote a story about the takeaways from today. It was a 14-minute news conference. David Tepper only answered eight questions. The ninth question was asked as he was walking off the stage, uh, what was the status of Scott Fitterer's job, the GM? And he looked directly at the questioner and then just walked off saying nothing. So let's start there. What did you take from that? Where do you think, where do you think this stands with Scott Fitterer? Well, what's interesting is we kind of asked the same. We asked a question that was, I asked a question that was along those lines as well. And it seemed like he kind of went off on another tangent, tried to take a humble approach. But just out, flat out not answering the question, I think, tells you, well, it better be a really good six game run. I mean, I, I'm under the impression that nobody is safe right now. Um, and I've also written several times in my thoughts columns on Tuesday, it makes absolutely no sense to fire a GM mid-season. Mid Unless they are detrimental to the product from a morale standpoint, which Scott Fitter, we know, is not that, there's literally no reason to fire him before the last two games of the season, maybe if you want to get like a, a leg up on the competition. But teams can't really interview head coaches early. They can't interview GMs early with the, no way that the – 
playoff interview process works. So, I mean, I, I, I get the, the reason that people are, are wanting blood from the front office. You know, like we said, the front office is not, their offseason moves have not really paid off. It would, I've written about that several times. But I think, you know, Tepper and, and Scott have a good relationship. I think he wants to see this through those last six games. It's going to be an uphill climb. Remember, since the 17-game season schedule began in 2021, there has never been a one-win team. So, I mean, if they don't pick up the pace and they go 1-17, or 1-16, I think nobody is, is tied down to the, to the Florida Bank America Stadium, and nobody should be filled, fulfilled right now. I've, I've written that several times. This is not a good team. It's a disaster. And they're the laughing stock of the league right now. I mean, you know, speaking of humor, um, you know, I, I think a lot of people have had a lot of fun uh, with a recent report that Greg Olson might be interested in the head coaching job. Scott, do you want to take this time to also announce that you're putting your hat in? Greg, um, I'd love to get an interview because then I could maybe get some of my questions answered. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, you know, at least then you get front and center. But um, I guess, Scott, you know, you were, as you mentioned before, you were kind of a historian in a lot of ways in this uh, franchise. Is this the worst season you can think of? I know the Clawson season is a big one, but is this the worst season you remember in, in your time covering the team? Right now, the Clawson season, which was 2010, uh, to me, still trumps it in terms of uh, utter offensive, uh, utter uh, disaster in terms of offense. That team, I looked it up the other day because I was curious. I was like, how bad was that really? Am I really remembering that correctly? But they only, they averaged like 12.3 points a game. And so they had a lot of games where they scored three or seven or well, this seems not that far behind. They're not. I think these guys average 15-ish right now. You know, they had a couple of games in the 20s early. Um, the Clawson team was, you know, that team actually did win two games, though, which is hard to fathom. But get this stat on, on Jimmy Clawson and that team. He play, He started pretty much the whole year. He got his hurt for a few games. But he threw three touchdown passes the entire year. Nine picks, three TDs. In a whole year. I mean, Bryce Young has what, like eight now? So, and, you know, there's, they weren't, they weren't, that team was worse. Um, they were even less fun to cover than this one, but this one is coming in tight on second place right now. Um, and so, and they can't, they got a chance, Mike. They got a chance to go all the way and, and become the worst team in Panther history. I think if they go one in 16, you'd have to say they were. I mean, that'd be the most losses. They fired a coach in the middle of the season, uh, as we've seen these take. You know the the take uh, the way the stadium's been taken over. Let's go back though for a second because I do want to get your impression on Tepper's news conference and what else we heard. 
So what were some of your other takeaways from this news conference? I'm going to choose my words wisely here. I mean, I, I don't want to say it was like a complete uh, farce, but I just, I it felt very contained, very controlled. Um, look, I think if we knew that there were only going to be eight questions, I think there would have been probably different questions probably in the chamber. Um, if you ever listen to a Panthers press conference, I probably drive Scott nuts because he hears my voice so often. I'm used to kind of being heavy handed at press conferences because I got a lot of questions and I cover the team every day. Um, you know, I really like yeah. talking about well, and that's good. And like, you know, I've gone through this twice before watching Tepper in these press conferences after Ron Rivera was fired and after Matt Rule was fired. I didn't go back and time it, but I'll tell you that those press conferences and the main, most of the time when David Tepper's available, he's very available. And it's usually 25 to 30 minutes. So when Bruce Spade, who was running the press conference, their main PR guy, um, cut it off, tried to cut it off originally after I looked on the clock about 10 and a half minutes. Uh, I think we were all very startled and there was kind of, uh, you know, some yelling, uh, protesting, uh, including me and, and some others, uh, which didn't really work, except he took one more question where he did, where Tepper did speak about Bryce Young and this long held myth that Tepper made the Bryce Young draft choice, which he tried to dispel today. That was new to me. What did you think about his answer to that question? So he kind of alluded to it that they had wanted to trade up to two before he did that at the draft. You were actually at the draft when he said it, which is probably why it kind of got lost in the shuffle. Let me the memory there. But listen, I actually thought his 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 earnestness, if you will, on on the process made a lot of sense. He said they were consensusly high on Bryce Young. They thought the Texans were going to trade up from two to one and select Bryce Young, who was the next guy on their board. Clearly, with CJ Stroud, um, and they were comfortable taking him at number two. Instead, they traded up to one and got the guy they wanted. If anything, that further proves that the the, the team was all in on him. He said that he he can't speak for everybody else, but he's extremely confident in in that pick. Uh, conversations that I've had over the last week, I'm under the impression. Everybody's still locked in on Bryce. Um, and I'd agree. I'd agree. And also, I will tell you that Frank Reich was locked in on Bryce and people who say, hey, no, he wanted C.J. Stroud and Tepper forced that on him. That's not true. That's yeah, not and, I, true. and look, and I will say this, because I think from a conceptual standpoint, it's going to get lost. But I think from a logical standpoint, let's. Frank Reich said that he liked all three quarterbacks, right? So if you like all three quarterbacks and your front office and your owner both want one guy and that narrows down the process, that's not to say that a guy didn't want the quarterback. That's saying that he found good in every single one of them, which he was very transparent about in our interviews. And so I think, look, I get it. It's black and white on X. That's just what it is. Formerly, it's Twitter. Um, people want to feel like their opinions fulfilled. Whether you like Bryce Young or you did. Whether you thought Frank Reich was a Stroud guy, whether you did. To me, and I wrote this several times, based on what he did in Indianapolis, CJ Stroud was the perfect fit for him. He is who I would have drafted. But I also said this, if you're comfortable with the durability, if you're comfortable with the size, if you're comfortable with his dynamics, and you feel like you can play to his strengths, 
Rice was easily the most dynamic quarterback in college last year or the last two years. So I think there's going to be debates about this forever. And with CJ Stroud setting pretty much every rookie pacing record ever, um, you know, Bryce is feeling it. You can do the whole PR spin of Jared Goff and Peyton Manning and all these guys that struggled. The reality is every situation is truly different. And I think if you're looking at this from the lens of being a Panthers fan, them doubling down on him is a good thing. If what wasn't working before wasn't working, they said enough. And so hopefully they can bring in a guy in the future to get the most out. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, at this point, you have Bryce Young. So there's no, you know, thinking about CJ Stroud. That's like, you know, that's thinking about the prom date that got away. You're, you're not, that's not happening. So Bryce Young is your guy. And he's, I mean, I think even last week he made some incredible plays uh, occasionally. You know, every now and then there's one of these flashes where I'm, how did he get out of that? You know, or how did he make that throw? But, a lot of other times there's, you know, there's not that. I'll say another thing, too. I want your comments on this on Tepper's um, press conference. He claimed to be a very patient man in his other businesses. He said people don't leave. They stick around 20 or 30 years. And he is known as, quote, extremely patient. So uh, that is not translated uh, into football. Or did that matter into Charlotte FC, their MLS franchise, which has gone through two head coaches in two years? Why do you think that hasn't translated? I don't know. My son says he's really good at singing. Uh, <laughs> he's not. Uh, you know, I, I think from the standpoint of this is a different business, right? Like this is <laughs> the NFL, beat writing. They're all different businesses. I wrote in my column today. You know, I've been around the league differently than you've been around the league. You, you've got the longevity on me and the institutional knowledge of this franchise. I've covered three different NFL teams, three very different markets. You and I handle things differently. You and I have different experiences. You might do something differently because it's something you learn in your side of coverage while I might do something else. So just because you're patient or you're, or you're prolific in one area of life doesn't mean you're going to be or situation means you're going to be prolific in another thing. And I think, look, I think Tepper gets this rap that is kind of illogical to me. And I wrote this earlier is like, people act like he doesn't want to win. If he didn't want to win, he wouldn't be dropping these guys in the middle of the season to pay them $35 million over several years. Like that's just not right. No, I totally agree with that. Yeah. Hey, the problem wants to win. He's just not doing it. Yeah. Right. He doesn't know how. And, you know, I wrote this in my column. Sometimes you know, saying you don't know is okay. It takes bravery to say that, especially when you're in a position of power. But it's okay to not to know what you don't know. And I feel like that's the next step for him as an owner. Saying, hey, I'm going to hire people that I trust, similar to what Jed York did in San Francisco with John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan. I'm going to let them do their thing and I'm going to reap the rewards. And until you get to that point as an owner, you're not going to have consistent success because everything's going to be reactionary. Yes, he said, you know, I used to be a fan. I I was in Pittsburgh. I enjoyed it. Well, this isn't a fan business. That's just not, I mean, it's a business for the fans if you really want to be successful. And I think he's got to kind of do some soul searching, say some brave things to himself and to others and say, look, what I'm doing is not working. 
I'm a successful exactly. businessman. I when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Need to know when to step away. Something, something needs to change. And, and what I've written about this, of course, and is that he just needs to step away. Much like you said, from the football part of it, he is a great businessman. Uh, let him, you know, concentrate on the business part because there's, Lord knows, there's a lot that needs to be done on the business side of things, and there's going to be many more. Um, as we start to wrap up, let's talk about the next. 10 to 12 weeks because there's you got a lot of work in front of you mike and uh, and there's going to be besides having a new baby you got other things to deal with now with a, another coaching search uh how do you see this playing out? well it's going to probably be an extensive search last year they used a an executive committee that had president christy coleman nicole tepper david tepper samir suleiman Scott Fitter, Dan Morgan, um, and they used that also in the quarterback's search as well once Frank Reich joined the group, and then they had all their litany of coaches. It was all well publicized. I think something that they should learn from this is uh, diversity of thought doesn't necessarily mean uh, logic. You know what I mean? Like sometimes, like it, you know what I'm talking about. Even when you're talking to me sometimes, sometimes I'll come up with something crazy and you'll be like, yeah, we probably shouldn't do that. This is one of those things where I think having an outside voice is very, very helpful. Somebody to guide the search. I'm not saying call up Bill Polian. I'm not saying call up Thomas Demetria, although I think he could be a GM candidate if they do move on from Scott Fitterer. You have to make this job really appealing. And to me, I said this several times, I don't think this job is appealing. What I mean by that is it's one of 32. We get it. Yeah, sure. Whatever. There's only so many jobs. Whatever. Uh, you know, but from the standpoint of you have to be completely bought in on Bryce Young, who you did not pick. You also have to be very comfortable with your inheriting a bottom five roster without a first round pick. Cool. You have a ton of salary cap space. Well, guess what? Typically when you spend a lot of money in free agency and you win the off season, you lose the regular season. Um, you also have to deal with the fact that there's not a lot of patience here. And if you're a first year head coach and you feel like you're only going to get one bite of the apple, why get the bite of the apple here? Especially when you know that other owners can pay. We can talk about how rich... David Tepper is how much he can outbid any, everybody. But so far, that's led to Frank Reich, who was seen as an af afterthought prior to the, the search this past year, and Matt Rule, who, again, after disaster. So I think from their standpoint, they need somebody with experience who can say no to David Tepper, say, hey, I can contextualize why this shouldn't happen. Bill Belichick, maybe? Yeah, I mean, look, here's the thing about hiring retreads. Now, if he was in the front office role, his... Uh, his history of wide receiver and quarterback draft picks are atrocious. That said, you know, you're bringing a name, you're bringing excitement. I think really what they should do is focus on a retreat GM or at least somebody with ties to a really successful organization. You look at Andy Weidel in Pittsburgh, who he, had, he has that connection with Tepper. You look at um, Dave Codwell, who had a rough run in Jacksonville, but is used to an intrusive owner. Um, you have guys like Thomas Dimitrioff, who had a lot of success in Atlanta especially with Dan Quinn being a very, very hot candidate 
with the way he's coaching up that defense in Dallas. I think you have to have people that understand the, every walk of life. It doesn't have to be a personnel guy. The league is moving away from some of those guys. Uh, Quizzy out in Minnesota, Howie Roseman's probably the most successful, one of the most successful GMs in the league. Um, if you can get somebody from the Chiefs, the, the Eagles, the Ravens, one of those guys to oversee stuff, if you are moving on from Scott Pitter, that makes sense. But from a head coaching perspective, I wrote about 20 head coaching candidates. It's on charlotteobserver.com. I would say Ben Johnson was a favorite last year. He pulled out of the race. I think another guy that they interviewed last year who could be an option is Kellen Moore, who's, who's coached very well uh, as an office coordinator in Los Angeles. Frank Smith from Dolphins is getting a lot of buzz. Brian Johnson from the Eagles is getting a lot of buzz. There's a lot of retread defensive coordinators. Steve Wilkes would, would either side be willing to do that. I doubt it. Uh, Jim Schwartz is having a renaissance in Cleveland. So there's a lot of options out there. Well, those, I think my favorite might be Ben Johnson, uh, Detroit Lions offensive coordinator. A lot of uh, Tar Heel ties as well. But I just don't. I don't know if a guy like that comes here. He's going to have options, you know. And I'd love to see it. I think that'd be a neat one. Uh, but you know, there maybe there. I'm sure there's some other great candidates out there that that we don't know of. But of course, it's going to take so many twists and turns, Mike. I don't. I don't envy your next several months. But I'm sure you're going to do a fantastic job. Uh, well, something I would say too, when I first did when Will got fired and I did my initial like 14 or whatever candidates. Frank Reich wasn't on there because he hadn't been fired yet. So, um, but maybe the lesson there is don't fire the guy who got fired midseason, you know, by a team in a really terrible division where he never won the division. Anyway, um, but I do think there's a lot of up and coming offensive minds. I think partnering an up and coming offensive mind with a retread GM who has experience and allowing it to kind of separate. I think Scott Fitter, in a lot of ways, has been too collaborative. Uh, from a personnel standpoint, we knew that Deuce Staley was very high on DJ Chark, trying to recruit him, Miles Sanders, um, some of the defensive characters that they brought in. You know, it's just the GM needs to be the GM. And I don't think we ever got to see Scott Fitter really take the reins here because of not that gives him an excuse. He puts his stamp on it. He should be held accountable. But I think he was too collaborative with Rule and he was too collaborative Whoever's the GM next year needs to kind of have that line in the sand up. The 53 is mine. That's it. Well, let's wrap it up there. It has been an incredibly busy week, as John Oliver always starts his uh, telecast with. We'll close it. It has been an incredibly busy week with uh, Frank Reich and David Tepper's press conference. And, Mike, uh, thank you, as always, uh, for joining us. And thank all of you for always for listening. Uh, if you haven't already subscribed to Processing Blue, please subscribe and follow us wherever you get your podcasts. For those who watch us on YouTube, please subscribe to our YouTube channel and click on the bell icon to get notified of whenever new episodes drop. Finally, be sure to stick to charlotteobserver.com because we have a ton of Panthers stuff on there right now and more to come. Believe me, the next three months we are going to overload you with Panthers coverage. So please come see us at charlotteobserver.com for all the latest Carolina Panthers news and analysis, and we'll see you next time.